The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am feeling all the feelings this week, viewers and listeners. There is a there's a lot stirring up inside my gentle heart as I talk to you. Not just because I'm excited for this week's show, which I am. We got some really important cool, powerful stories to talk about. We got a great guest this week, CPA Niche. Rawl is going to be joining us, talking about how artists can manage their money effectively. That's going to be really great coming up in the next segment, so I'm excited about that. But I'm also feeling a lot of feelings right now on a more personal note, because as I record this episode today, my little sweet 18-year-old, or 18-month-old, <laughs> 18-month-old bundle of joy, my, my son Nathan just started his first day of daycare yesterday or today did a little half day daycare session a little half day not a full day just half day a little eight to twelve uh eat some lunch head home but what it took for me to just let him go and just to leave him in somebody else's care for just a few hours was just it tore out my heart but he had a wonderful time and this daycare god bless these people these people are the best they send you like photos of your kid in the daycare, like every 30 minutes, like every 30 minutes, you get proof of life of here's the kid coloring. Here's the kid eating some beans. Here's the kid playing with toys and reading a book. And that just made me feel so much better. And he really had a nice time and he's getting some socializing. He's getting to talk with kids, make new friends. It's great for him. It is just it's emotional for me. This is this is a a journey for me, and uh, I I can't believe I got to bring him back tomorrow again. That's going to be uh, powerful. But um, I, I feel like I got to talk about all of this with a fellow dad, and so I'm going to bring in Zach Sloan, our co-host, in a second. But before we bring in Zach Sloan, before you say anything, Zach, all right, I don't want to hear from him just yet until I bring this up. Okay, so. You should know when it comes to the co-host before every show, I always text whoever the co-host is this week and I just give them a little message. I say, hey, you ready for tonight's show or you ready for tomorrow's show, depending on when I'm texting them, just to make sure they know that the show is coming up and that they're ready. If they have any questions, you know, I try to be a good host. And so I texted our co-host this week, Zach Sloan. I'm like, hey, Zach, you ready for the show tonight? And he sends me back this text and I quote, yup. All right, that's a good start. Yep, always always nice to know the host is ready. Then says, I sound like a frog that has been gargling sandpaper, but I'm ready. So we're going to find out together what a frog that has gargled sandpaper sounds like and what we're all in for. We're going to experience this together in real time, viewers and listeners. So without further ado, our co-host this week, Zach Sloan. How's it going, Zach? I, I will not dignify that question with an answer. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, how are we supposed to do an hour show, Zach? It's very simple. Uh, I sound... Okay, maybe a sand gar, sandpaper gargling frog is, is a uh, stretch. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I feel fine. I just sound <laughs> awful. You know, I think we have to lean into this, Okay. Rather than try to it. fight it, I think you just need to steer into the skid. I think we can create a new character because you know who you sound like is like if I'm making like an old timey talent agent character oh, from like the 1960s, like just, you know, a little bit more like uh, in your voice and you're that, you know, I'm going to make you a star kid. <laughs> and I think we could create this character. Let me just tell you, I've been in the business a long time and I've never seen someone who's as mediocre as you and we're going to take your mediocrity and we're going to take you all the way to passable you have my word 
kid, we're going to take you all the way to the middle. But I got my guitar amp sized coffee cup that has hot tea in it. So hopefully I will not fall apart completely. Well, look, I'd rather have Zach Sloan at 50% than anybody else. I am happy to have you here. We got some really good Zach Sloney stories to talk about this week. Excited to get your perspective on it as a musician, as a producer. This is going to be really, really exciting. Um, so I, I want to open the show with two things, though. One first thing, quick thing. Uh, can you give me any thoughts, any perspective on my first day dropping my kid off at daycare? And like, like what am I in for? Because I'm sure you've had a similar experience with your little one and like dropping them off daycare, pre-K school, what have you. Uh, how do you handle all these emotions that are brewing inside me right now? You know, it wasn't, it was never really that big of a thing for me because I went to work outside of the home, right? Mm, and yeah. it was harder on my wife because my wife was the one who actually had to make the drop. It sounds like you made the drop off. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, uh, I didn't uh, have My wife that. and I went together. It was a team effort. Oh, why, why would you two do that to each other? You got to have one person do the drop because that's the crappy part. And the other person is back for emotional support. You oh, no, we both go. sobbed in the car together. Why would you do that? See that? Was <laughs> so we were no good to each other. Nope. Yeah, that's it. It passes. Uh, as Annette told me, maybe I'm just a bad dad. I just <clears throat> Annette said it passes. That's all I can say on that one. But I mean, is there a timetable on the passing? Because I can't I can't like feel this way, like for another like few weeks or months. I, mean, uh, I bet by how if you do it daily, I bet by Wednesday you'll be cool. Okay, I, I can I can almost right. handle that. All right, so that's because you're the, gonna the kid is gonna have so much fun. Like you told me, you saw these awesome pictures. Yeah, um, you're gonna like once you realize your kid's having a good time. It's like okay, this is this is all right. He's having a blast. He's really digging yeah. it, and yeah, he's already making friends, and I, I love that for him. He's he's handling this transition a lot better than his dad is. Speaking do. of transition, Zach Sloan, some. You know, the the daycare dropping off stuff, like that's that's bittersweet, happy highs and lows. I got an announcement to make that is just all highs. Like this is great, great news for this program. I kind of sort of teased it a little bit last week by saying that we had a big announcement, but I didn't give any more details. And that made a lot of people really mad because like I got emails that were just like, are you shutting down the show? Are you canceling the podcast? Are you only doing it monthly instead of weekly? Like you don't leave us hanging. All right. Oh, no. So is this how I find out I'm fired? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fires a sick guy. I, can't I know I can't, I can't fire you now while you're sick. You're sympathetic. I even got an EQ out and put the highs up just for you. And then here's <laughs> on your, on your wait, your amplifier mug has EQ settings on it. No, I'm such a guitar nerd. There are guitar pedals at my desk at all times. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, no, this is unmitigated good news and good news for even Zach Sloan, who, uh, uh, for the time being is still gainfully employed by us here at break the business. The big announcement is, uh, in the coming weeks, we haven't nailed down the specific day yet, but in the coming weeks, Break the Business will be partnering with the streaming platform Volume.com. This is the music live streaming platform, and we're going to be uh, a partner on that platform. We're going to be up on. We're going to be a show on there. One of the main shows on the platform, joining like the Andy Frasco show and Emily White, all the big Volume.com programs. <laughs> And we're going to be one of them. And we're very excited about that. We had a couple meetings with Volume over the past week. They are really excited to have us. They love the idea of a weekly music talk show on Volume.com. They're going to promote the heck out of it. We got a real good partner with Volume. And I'm so excited about what the future holds with this. So I just would like to uh, shout out Volume. My favorite non-break the business podcast is on Volume. Shred with Shifty. Which is yes, um, Chris Shiflet. From, he's he's on there, and uh, to be part of the Volume family makes me really excited. Not as not as excited as not getting fired. Just to be clear, <laughs> um, but very. It's super cool. Like this is this is a big deal for BTB. It is, and what makes it exciting is, and, and look for the people who are freaking out because you watch us on Twitch or YouTube. We'll still be on those platforms. We're not we're not going exclusive to volume. So if you're if you're if you like watching us on Twitch, we're staying on Twitch as well. But what volume gives us, which is really cool, other than like the promotion and the partnership that we're going to have with them, because we're going to do a lot of cool stuff with volume.com. The the wheels have been turning. There's some great stuff in motion 
that we're going to be able to do with them. But what it gives us is direct access to a community of musicians and music professionals. What's great about Twitch and Facebook is that it's a big community, right? Billions of people on these platforms. But what volume gives us is a platform that is just musicians and music fans. And those are our people. So we get to go to a place where we know our people are and we can serve them directly and be on a platform that's already got so many great live mu so much great live music happening all the time on it. Uh, venues like The Bitter End are streaming from there regularly. You got a lot of great music talk shows like Shredding with Shifty and uh, Andy Frasco's uh, World Saving Podcast. And the fact that we get to be right up there on the same marquee and we're going to do a lot of collabs with those programs. I mean, the things that we're going to get to do with volume and just how it's going to grow as a result. This is so, so exciting. And it does not happen Without all of you viewers and listeners, without the support you've given us, without uh, just the the community and the fandom that that has been built, I mean, this is years in the making. We've been doing this since 2015. It's been really, really long. I used to have a lot more hair when we were doing this. That's how long we've been at it. And because of all the support you've given us for so many years, here we are, volume.com. Uh, starting in a few weeks, we're going to have more information about the start date and what it's going to look like and what it's going to mean in terms of, um, you know, all the different planning and things like that. It's going to be the same time. We're still doing when Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Um, but what it is going to mean is maybe more interesting segments. We've talked about maybe doing extended shows where maybe for the first hour, it's just for the Sirius XM audience. And then after that, we can stay on and do additional live streams to hang out at the volume.com people. There's a lot of things that we're going to do. And frankly, I'm interested, Zach, in what the viewers and listeners think we should do with this additional real estate. If there's anything you'd like to see us do with the volume.com community, if it's promoting their artists, if it's giving volume.com artists an opportunity to come on our show and so they get to be on Sirius XM, we want to hear those ideas. We want to be good partners to volume. We don't, we don't want this to just be like a one-sided relationship where we're just getting stuff from volume. We want to give them the assets that we have as well because we think really highly of this platform and we want to help contribute to its growth. Dude, I can't wait to hear. I, I, the, the community always has better ideas than I do. Um, but I am so excited to just see. like the, the, the longer shows sound amazing to me, and here's why. You remember when Mary Amber raided us? That was great. And to to hang out afterwards and have just some like, you know, some looser, just fun ch chats or additional, inf you know, things that you can't fit into an hour. That all sounds like a blast. But yeah, I'm very curious what the community wants to because sign me up. I'm down. Well, your perspective has been really great on, on this, Zach. And, you know, I, I love what you're bringing so far, but I think I'd love to hear what uh, the old-timey talent agent thinks of this new Volume.com announcement. So I don't know if, if that character can can give us some perspective. Well, let me tell you, I am an old-timey talent agent. My, I don't know what the internet is, but I can tell you there's no such thing as bad press. All press is good. I've been working with this fresh new guy, O.J. Simpson, and I can tell oh, you, no. the whole press is good. Oh, God. Oh, no. Is that not right? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, dear, old-timey talent. I mean, I, I just love that the old-timey talent agent character opens by saying who they are, because that's that's what they do in the old days, right? You you I, couldn't just start talking. You had to say, as an old-timey talent agent. As, they, they always, yeah, we always give our title. <laughs> would, you, would you like my business card? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, God, I, I sure hope Volume.com's not watching this and being like, what the hell did we just commit to? Hey, I've seen, some, I've seen much more extreme stuff on Volume. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's probably true. So uh, I think I think I'm really steering us towards the middle of the pack. <laughs> I think we're gonna fit right in without a doubt. Uh, oh, I'm, yes. I'm excited to bring our community to them and to have them bring our community to us. It's really gonna be mutually beneficial. Very very exciting. Now before we go to break, Zach and bring in uh, Nishay Rawl to talk about managing money for indie creators. Uh, why artists often have trouble managing their money and what they can do to be better at that. Uh, we're going to, uh, and so he's going to talk all about that stuff. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about a pretty much the story that everybody's talking about 
in the music industry right now, Zach. This is the big, big story. And I think as we're recording this, this story has kind of hit its peak right now. And so we're really catching this at the right time. As we record this on February 1st, 2024, TikTok has removed all music from Universal Music Group artists from its platform following a contract standoff between TikTok and UMG, which is the world's largest record label. This means that TikTok users are no longer able to make videos using UMG recordings. That's Taylor Swift, BTS, Post Malone, Drake, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, off limits on TikTok now. But what it also means is that for the millions of TikTok videos that have used UMG music in the past, all of those have been muted. So this millions of videos overnight muted now. A lot of artists are freaking out about this. A lot of TikTok creators are freaking out about this. In an open letter, UMG argued that the reason why they're pulling the music is because TikTok was not compensating artists fairly and was not doing enough to combat AI and ensuring the safety of TikTok's users. And with respect to the issue of compensation, UMG contends in the open letter that TikTok has only accounted for 1% of UMG's total revenue. Now, in response, TikTok has said in a statement, quote, despite Universal's false narrative and rhetoric, the fact is that they have chosen to walk away from the powerful support of a platform with well over a billion users that serves as a free promotional and discovery vehicle for their talent. Zach, I can't remember the last time in music history. I'm trying to think of what a comparable moment would be where you see a clash of just two of the biggest titans, right? You're talking about the world's largest record label and, you know, a short form video platform with probably uh, 200 to 250 billion dollar market cap. Uh, these are two platforms that are both massive and they both need each other, right? Uh, TikTok needs UMG's catalog to be able to create for their users to create content. And similarly, UMG and all major record labels these days need TikTok because it's the primary way that artists are getting broken these days. It's not terrestrial radio anymore with young people. It's TikTok. And so by these two groups divorcing from each other, it's going to leave a huge void for both of these organizations. And I just can't imagine, Zach, that this doesn't end with them coming to the table and figuring it out because they both have so much to lose. But this is a wild story. This really is a clash of the titans. Well, and one thing that struck me from from the open letter from UMG is they, and I'm going to quote them here, they said, as our negotiations continued, TikTok attempted to bully us into accepting a deal worth less than the previous deal, far less than the market value and not reflective of their exponential growth. How did they try to intimidate us? By selectively removing the music, select, selectively remo removing the music of certain of our developing artists while keeping the platform audience uh, uh, for our high for our global stars. And that was the part that worried me, assuming that's true, that TikTok was pulling the smaller artists off. Because like you said, isn't this how new artists are breaking? Yeah. Um, so that, assuming that's true, and you know, this is, the the truth is probably somewhere in between. But you're, I cannot think of another time two, two groups have clashed like this. Uh, have there ever been a time where there are two such big players? Like the music industry is basically consolidated into these two entities. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of what like a historical comp would be. I mean, I mean, like the last major kind of music industry crisis was probably if you're talking about maybe like the the major labels and Napster, right? Um, which you know is sort of similar, but like again, Napster, you know, in terms of market share, you know, was an illegal file sharing yeah. platform. You know, was not the two hundred billion dollar juggernaut that. Uh, you know, TikTok was and Napster and when you know Napster at its height was still not the primary means where artists were getting discovered, right? It was just a way for people to share music. You know, this would be like the equivalent of if, you know, a, a tele, you know, like a major television company, right. you know, back 20 years ago was like no longer playing music from artists. But again, even that's not comparable because, you know, television, you know, regular television is not as dependent on major label music as TikTok is. And and so like this this really is a pretty unique situation. And when I when I you know continuing like this clash of titans metaphor, I you know if you look at it as kind of like a a Godzilla versus Mothra battle, 
in downtown Tokyo and they're fighting each other. What do you always see in those scenes, right? The town, like the, the people of Tokyo, like running in a panic and ultimately they're the collateral damage in the fight of these right. two monsters. And I think we have those people running in Tokyo. They are the UMG artists who are actually, you know, who are the real ones suffering here because they're the ones caught in the middle. Like there are lots of UMG artists who owe TikTok for credit TikTok with the success that they've had and are very active on the platform, have grown a lot because of their TikTok followings. And they've all woken up this morning and all their music's gone. And so on their own profiles, you know, 70, 80, 90% of their videos are now muted because their you know, right. videos feature their own music. They're not able to use their own music in their TikTok videos anymore because it belongs to the label. And to me, the, the most famous example of this exact problem hurting a UMG artist is uh, the artist uh, Noah Khan, who I'm sure you have come across his music before. Yes. It's all over TikTok. Everybody has heard the song Stick Season at this point. And uh, we all know who he is because of TikTok. TikTok made Noah Khan a star. And he woke up, at, but he's also a UMG artist. So he woke up this morning, all of his music muted. He's freaking out. Lauren, can you pull up the video of Noah uh, talking on TikTok about what happened to his music? So like you, I've read the news about uh, the UMG catalog being taken off TikTok. You know, so my songs aren't going to be on there anymore. I won't be able to promote my music on TikTok anymore. But luckily, I'm not a TikTok artist, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, you're going to have to pre-save forever now if you want to listen to it. Because I can't stick it down your throats anymore on this app. So pre-save forever. Uh, I'm still releasing it. still coming out. And, uh, you know, I'll probably be okay, right? I'll land on my feet, right? Right? Oh my gosh. So he got this happened to him right when he's on the precipice of a new release. Like he's got a new song coming out. He's ready to promote the hell out of it on TikTok. And then boom, his catalog disappears off the platform because he happens to be an artist on a label that is not uh, working with TikTok anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, what, what, what a horrifying situation for him. It is horrifying, but I also, I mean, I feel for the guy. I, I feel for all these artists. But at the same time, when I started listening to the show 2015, 2016, I remember you talking about never allow your eggs to all be in one basket. And I think that's something that independent artists can sort of take from this, is that use TikTok, use those places, but make sure you're diversified enough that if something like this happens, because like, I can think of a thing called, what was it, Vine, right? That one day just is yeah. gone, and Vine artists were just out of luck. And so I, I certainly hope to hope that this doesn't happen to the TikTok artists out there. But TikTok could have done this at any time with no notice too, right? It, even though I, we, can, we could debate whether or not this is a UMG problem or a TikTok problem or both, this could have happened regardless. So diversifying where your music can be found and where your fans are at is a big deal. Well, I think what's pretty clear from this situation, Zach, is that the label and the artist's interests, like the UMG label and the UMG artist's do not have aligned interests here. Like no. At first blunt, you would think, oh, yeah, well, uh, UMG's fighting for its artists. The more money that UMG can get from TikTok, the more money that ends up in artist's pocket. Except if, you, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that artists don't make any money from their label deals no. from recordings. Best case scenario, if you're signed to a major label, you're hoping that that label can make you famous enough that people will go and pay to watch you live. Uh, right. perform live but you know unless you're taylor swift or somebody like that you're not going to actually make any money from your recordings so if umg gets a little bit of extra money from tiktok from this deal for to license the recordings onto tiktok that money is largely not going to make it into noah khan's pocket but by not being on tiktok now you don't now you are missing out on all of that exposure and promotion that he was getting and so that's going to ultimately hurt his ability to sell concert tickets to sell merchandise and do network and collaborate with other artists like this, his interests and umg's interests are not aligned that being said okay like lest you think i'm just uh completely caping up for tiktok here i mean umg is right in principle like New emerging platforms like TikTok and other social media platforms do kind of make a cottage industry out of 
taking IP from labels and publishers, not compensating for it, and then asking forgiveness rather than seeking permission once they've mm-hmm. built their empire big enough off of the back of IP that they don't own. And so like UMG is right, but UMG is also like the worst messenger for this because <laughs> you know UMG's putting out a letter where they're essentially saying, hey, you're not allowed to underpay our artists. That's, That's our job. job. <laughs> so, you know, they're not, you know, they're not the most sympathetic defendant here. <laughs> Listen, Gotham can only have one Joker, and it's us. <laughs> That's right. You're stealing our bit, TikTok. If you want to be Penguin, go ahead, but you can't be Joker. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, right? It's like you when I read UMG's letter, I was like, man, I, I think I agree with them. And then I was like, man, did the devil just convince me he doesn't exist? I don't know. <laughs> Are they all the devil? I don't know. And, and you know, make no mistake, this en- this will end with these two people coming back together again. Yes. Like, if you are on TikTok right now and you're freaking out because you've lost your ability to make taylor swift videos or you're mad because you have a bunch of olivia rodrigo videos like i'm sure zach sloan's tiktok account is just filled with olivia rodrigo songs that are in his videos and they've all been muted but don't worry about zach or don't worry about taylor swift because i guarantee you these two people are going these two groups are going to figure it out tiktok and umg are going to hammer some kind of deal out because it's just too valuable not to. These two organizations need each other way too much. And I think at some point, like, Taylor Swift is going to, like, probably knock on, like, Lucian Grange's door over at UMG and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I need people to make TikToks out of my music. I got the Super Bowl coming up. I need a bunch of TikTok videos made of me kissing Travis Kelsey at the 50-yard line when he wins the Super Bowl and my music's playing in the background of those TikTok videos and I can't do that if all my videos are muted. So figure it out, UMG. Man, I think I think once again, Break the Business has come full circle. We need Taylor on the case. <laughs> this is... yeah. God, Kent, why do we always make Taylor Swift solve all the problems, all right? This why, isn't why fair to her. Why are we the into Taylor Swift's Batman? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is always how it is. Like, you know, Apple Music doesn't pay artists during its free trial period. Who has to fix the problem? Taylor Swift. Like, this, you know, uh, UMG and TikTok are are feuding and, and they're not hammering out a license deal, licensing deal. And like, friggin' Taylor Swift is going to come out, have to come out here like a neutral party Switzerland and bring these two groups together to break bread. I mean, we can't just keep counting on her to save the music industry every freaking time, all right? She's already trying to support her boyfriend who's trying to win the Super Bowl. She's got a, she's freaking in Asia right now trying to play a concert. Do you, do you see what she, ha- have you read about what she has to do? To see Taylor, uh, Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl? Yes, and um, you want to hear my dirty little secret, Ryan? Yeah. I don't care. You don't care? I don't it care. It is all she... I care about. Dude, How like, could you she... not be amazed by the fact that she is like going to play a concert in Japan on the same day as the Super Bowl, but she'll still get back in time for the Super Bowl because she's going to travel over the international dateline and land in Las Vegas before she left Tokyo. Like, that's amazing to me. And she's okay. going to do it all for Travis Kelsey so she can support her man in the big game. Listen, I think now that you've brought time travel into it, I'm a little bit more interested. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. Like, and don't get me wrong. You, you go into my back catalog on BTB. I love Taylor Swift. I'm a Taylor Swift stan. I don't care about her in the context of sports. I do think it's hilarious that every time you say that she's trying to support Travis Kelsey, I immediately assume you mean financially <laughs> and that well, she's yeah. trying to like take care of him. Cause you know, every time I hear somebody say that she's dating him for the money, I'm like, I don't think you know what she's worth. <laughs> <laughs> there could be lots of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like cynical reasons that Taylor Swift might be dating Travis Kelsey. Like there might be some aspects of their relationship that are inauthentic, but by no means is Taylor Swift dating him for the money. That's the one thing we can be absolutely sure of. That's the one that cracks me up the most. That's the theory that I was like, you guys have jumped the shark. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Um, well let's, let's close with this Zach Sloan before we, uh, bring in uh, Niche Rawl. I figured to help out our friend Noah Khan, who is 
in a really bad place right now because all of his videos got muted. I feel honestly terrible for him. In light of what you just brought up recently, Zach, about why it's important to kind of diversify your portfolio as an artist, not rely on one platform, I figure we should ask the AI overlord how Noah Khan can pivot right now amid everything that's going on with uh, TikTok. And so we asked ChatGPT to give Noah Khan some advice on what he can do now that TikTok has pulled his catalog on this week's AI Overlord Tip of the Week. I was pretty amazed that ChatGPT was able to kind of know what was already happening with TikTok and UMG. I guess that algorithm, that, that, uh, you know, that training data is getting more and more recent and actually had some pretty good advice for Noah when I asked ChatGPT, hey, could you give Noah Khan some advice about what he can do now that all of his videos have been muted on TikTok? How can he pivot? And so here's what we got from ChatGPT. Noah, in the ever-evolving landscape of music and digital platforms, your situation is a stark reminder of the unpredictable nature of this industry. While TikTok has been a powerful vessel for your music, its sudden absence from your toolkit challenges you to adapt and innovate. I feel like Zach might have written some of this. Here are some tips to navigate these turbulent waters. Embrace and expand your digital presence. While TikTok has been instrumental, it's crucial now more than ever to diversify your digital footprint. Platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter offer ways to connect with your audience. Consider launching a YouTube series where you delve into the stories behind your songs, share acoustic versions, or even document your life as a musician on the road. I would love to see that for Noah Khan. Yeah, sign that up. Yeah, right. Next, uh, lean into your existing community. You've already built a loyal fan base. Now's the time to deepen those connections. Engage with your audience in more personal ways, whether through virtual concerts, fan Q&A sessions, or exclusive content for mailing list subscribers. Your fans love you for your authenticity and your stories. Give them more ways to experience that directly. Next, explore new creative outlet. This challenge presents an opportunity to explore new creative outlets for you. Perhaps there's a side project you've been pondering or another genre you've wanted to experiment with. Use this time to explore those ideas. Fresh, unexpected content can generate buzz and attract a wider audience. Remember, Noah, your talent and your connection with your fans transcend any single platform. Your ability to tell stories through your music, to evoke emotions, and to create moments is what has propelled you this far. Man, ChatGPT is a huge Noah Khan fan. Goodness. Um, keep focusing on your art, keep engaging with your community, and continue to explore every avenue to share your music. The platforms may change, but your voice and your message remain powerful and resonant. I mean, even though that came from a cold, evil machine, I feel like Noah Khan would be soothed by that message. I would like to say that I am not a cold, evil machine. Wait, I mean, I don't think ChatGPT <laughs> is a cold, evil machine. You're really going to try to claim authorship on that because it was very similar to what you said. That's fair. Well, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you from that, because I think this is a time to re- reiterate ChatGPT is not legal advice. Let's say somebody has a recording contract because it talked about starting up a side project. It, it, would that even be feasible for Noah Khan? Could he start a side project and try and put that music on t- TikTok or in all likelihood? is he- Oh, definitely not. <laughs> There's no way, right? Like, that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, he's got an exclusive recording. Agreement. <clears throat> like the side project cannot be, hey, I'm going to put another album out under a different name. Like, you got to get the label's approval for that. And if you're thinking to yourself, boy, that's really restrictive and could impair an artist's ability to take advantage of the new technological landscape and creative expectations of the fan base in the 21st century. Yeah, be really careful about signing record deals because crap like this can happen. I mean, we've only been talking about that for damn near a decade, and uh, we're so excited to be able to share that insight with Volume.com in a a few weeks. So, All right. Just just want to make sure I wasn't crazy. Record companies are still evil. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's just, right, it's just big tech is also evil. They're all evil. Sweet. Except for you, Zach Sloan. You're a damn treasure. No, I'm evil. Wait. <laughs> damn. They got to you, too. They, they say I might be okay, but I assure you, I am not. Oh, you know, look, like, Zach, we don't know if that's, we don't know that you're doing the talent agent character unless you actually say it in the first sentence. Remember, that's the thing. Oh, as the old-timey talent agent, I can tell you. 
I'm not a good person. There you go. Uh, speaking of good people, our guest coming up after the break is terrific. Nishe Rawl is joining us. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Break the Business is presented in cooperation with Ryan A. Corella, PA. Ryan A. Corella, PA is a law firm providing transactional entertainment legal services, including contracts, business formation, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. RKPALaw.com. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely humans. Zach Sloan here with Ryan Carella, having just a grand old time, uh, excited to have you all with us, and so thrilled that you're checking us out wherever you're checking us out, whether it's on Sirius XM 145, whether it's on podcast platforms, whether it's on live streaming platforms like Facebook or X or LinkedIn or Twitch or soon to be volume.com, wherever you are taking in this program, we're just so darn glad that you are because it just fills our heart with so much joy. We're going to go ahead and bring out our guest right now. Here was our interview with CPA Nishay Rawl. Our guest this week is a CPA and the managing partner at NR Tax and Consulting, a business advisory firm that provides tax, accounting, and compliance services to clients in the entertainment industry. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting nrtaxandconsulting.com. We are happy to welcome Nishe Rawl on to Break the Business. Hi, Nishe. Hey, Ryan. Good to be here. How are you? I'm doing so, so well. I am excited to dig into this topic with you. Of all of the different topics we bring up on this show, of all the different kinds of guests we bring around here, I don't think we talk nearly enough about money matters and getting the perspective from financial professionals like yourself. So I think this is going to be really, really important for our artists. So let me start a little bit by talking about you and, and figuring out how you got into this line of work. What got you interested in providing these kind of services to folks in the entertainment industry? Yeah, awesome. No, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me once again. And uh, definitely, I, uh, the reason why I got excited in terms of accounting tax and having a correct business structure is, you know, actually one of my buddies, one of my best friends, he's an artist and, you know, you know, you know, you know of him and we, you know, go back probably 10, 15 years and we started talking about how both of us, you know, are going to our respective journeys. I always wanted to become independent accountant, you know, have my own practice and he always wanted to pursue a career in art, right? And we just started bouncing ideas off each other because his the number side of his brain doesn't work, and my uh, my uh, you know art side of the brain doesn't work, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that was you could say that was the aha moment when I decided, oh my god, there definitely is a need uh, to have like a proper set of structure book as well as tax and accounting straight for artists why because numbers for them is very monotonous because they are very good in their respective fields respective art right but you gotta pay attention to these like things which uh, you know having the right structure perhaps getting the books in order having a great foundation for the artists to grow in their respective fields you know so yeah that, that was the beginning 
I love that orange origin story. It's pretty similar to why I got into the legal side of the entertainment business. It came from a love of creative professionals wanting to help these folks and knowing that I could not help them creatively, <laughs> but right. I could help them through the skill sets I have on the administrative and business side. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing as well. That's really excellent. And you identified in your answer something that's very important that for a lot of artists, there aren't enough hours in the day to learn how to do the numbers. It often doesn't play to the skill set of many creative professionals. Accounting, tax, these are very highly specialized, highly technical fields that most artists don't have the training for. And so when I think about all these stories I read in the entertainment industry about artists having trouble managing their money, artists making a lot of money, but still somehow ending up broke. How does that happen? Does it happen because of what you talked about, that artists don't have these skill sets or they don't put the right people around them? I'm sure you've heard these stories all the time. I'm sure you've become acquainted with artists who've gone through financial difficulties. Why do we see this happening so often? Yeah, it's a great point, Ryan. There are a couple of factors, you know, number one, I, which is foremost is not having enough financial literacy because sometimes the artists are too focused on their craft that they forget about how to manage the money or perhaps see themselves as a brand or an entrepreneurial journey to be able to grow their business even though they are independent right so that definitely is number one and you touched a very good point in terms of having the right team right the team consists of like a powerful attorney like you uh you know that can help them guide through their legalities you know having a good accountant that can help uh, structure their tax business and be proactive in their tax planning, right? As you mentioned, we are in Miami. Everybody here makes a ton of money, especially artists, right? Uh, they make a ton of money. It's just that education aspect, in my opinion, that is lacking, that they spend a lot or there's nobody helping them with the budgets or making sure they understand how the money coming in and what the spendings are that leaves them uh, as you said broke right uh, i do imagine a tremendous lavish lifestyle but at the same time right it's very important to have a proper set of budget and to be able to stick with that so that's that i feel is the key you know in the success of artists so what would you say is the biggest money management mistake that you see artists making is it a failure of budgeting is it sort of living beyond your means as an artist because you think that whatever money you're making right now at the height of your career, you're going to make forever and so you can continue to spend like crazy? A little bit of everything, right? I, I mm. feel like the main would be the root of the problem is not having proper set of books, right? So that I feel like is one of the major things which artists do not have. You know, most, a few of my friends, our friends, they just come up to me and I cringe. It's one of my pain points, right? They just come to me at the end of the year. Hey, this is what I did. Just run the numbers. Give me the end product. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up. But that shouldn't be the case, right? In order for you guys to grow, in order for artists to grow, it's very essential to have, number one, proper set of books which is the benchmark in terms of all these other things which we're talking about, budget, taxes, <laughs> and retirement perhaps, you know? So yeah, I hope that helped, right? Yeah, now a lot of artists who are listening to this and are thinking of their own finances and perhaps the relationship that they have with tax professionals, either maybe they don't have a tax professional or accounting professional, or they do have one, but it's the kind of relationship you spoke about where you just kind of call them up sometime between January and April and say, here's all my receipts. Uh, what do I pay at tax time? So for the artists who are wondering when the, when is the time right to engage an accounting professional on a more ongoing basis, on a more permanent basis, uh, what would you tell them? When should they start really thinking about, I should be hiring somebody like Niche to help me get my books in order? 
Right. No, it's a great question, Ryan. And, it, and definitely the answer depends, right? In terms of what the vision is of the artists. I do have some artists that make about figures, right? For them, it is not as comprehensive while while as this another artist, which, you know, is a of mine, he's making like roughly about seven figures, right? Mm -hmm. So for him, in in that particular situation, right, I meet with with the person every other month, right? Just to make sure we're going over the numbers, going over the spending, going over the retirements and actually pre-planning shows in advance, right? Because all these shows, both domestically in US as well as internationally, right? I believe he'll be doing shows in Spain, Dubai, etc. So for that, it's very important to have go over these things with the accountants right so again there's no no right and wrong answer but the bottom line is the sooner you do it the sooner uh, like your foundation is stronger to be able to make these decisions to make business decisions you know i, I seem to be gathering that a an important best practice for creative professionals when working with their accountants, with their tax professionals, is to be proactive. Uh, you know, you don't want your accountant to be somebody that you're just using to be reactive. It's not, here's what I did, give me advice. It's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what my year looks like. Here's what the next couple months look like. Help me plan accordingly, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Not only in artist realm, right? In any entrepreneurial journey, it's very important to be proactive rather than being reactive, right? If you are proactive, you know exactly where you are headed to rather than, oh, shoot, like this was my year. Oh, my God, like here's my bill. Like, like what happened? <laughs> you know, so me personally, I'm a very proactive person to be ahead of the curve and ahead of like you know personally our peers as well and that's the type of and that was actually one of the major decisions that i wanted to run my practice is not just to crunch numbers but being very proactively involved in all our clients to make sure that they're aware of what's going on within their businesses and how can they make better informed business decisions in your experience do artists readily sort of work with you like they like to be in the room they like to be in those planning sessions or do you get those artists that are like "Ooh, numbers are scary uh my team's gonna be in touch with you or just tell me what i need i'm gonna go focus on songwriting uh, you know i'm sure you get a little bit of everything with clients how do you how do you help keep them involved how do you tell them like no don't walk away from this this stuff's important let's engage in a conversation yeah absolutely you hit the spot right there artists they do not like numbers <laughs> you know uh yeah it's a tough conversation to have right but again i make my sessions very small like 15 20 minutes you know not more than that That's and good. just go over a high level overview of things right not necessarily go deeper uh, in the numbers per se but just a high level overview hey this is the this is the books this is the profit let's see what your next three months look like and based on the numbers okay sure let's sign up for this 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 events and so on and so forth right uh, that i feel like has been a key so far you know it has definitely worked but again it's just like hit or miss right uh, but ideally talking numbers i just do it in five minutes and most likely the uh, the other things is just plan their their career or their events in the future and making sure we have enough budget for that you know i appreciate that and i'm sure artists love the idea of folks like you keeping the meeting short and sweet so that they don't get overwhelmed that's a really smart approach for the artists out there who are appreciating what you're saying and are thinking to themselves yeah i need to get somebody like nishi i need a business advisory firm. I need somebody to help me with tax, accounting, compliance. Help them help them find somebody in the sense of like what should they be looking for in their tax representation, in their accounting representation? What are some positive traits that you that an artist should be looking at when find trying to find somebody in this role? 
Absolutely. No, it's a great question, Ryan. And well, I'd like to spend a, a few minutes on this, right? Yeah. It all depends, right? No two people, no two artists have the same vision, right? So I, I say it, I mean, I'm an athlete and I give a lot of sports analogies. So the analogy I would say that we would be the artist's quarterback in terms of whatever their vision is, right? We are there to make it happen. For instance, like some artists, they just prefer to be independent. They just want to do shows within U.S. It's a different type of conversation than this artist, the other artist that wants to go global, that wants to only do shows in different countries, right? And different time of the year. So that is a different conversation, right? I will, I may get a bit technical, so I'll try to do my best to explain it in layman terms. There are a couple things uh, that artists should look for. Number one, what is it that they want to do as a as a career how fast are they willing to expedite their vision their goals and based on that having number three the right representation to help them help them actualize these goals right the artists usually have managers they usually have attorneys they usually have accountants so having right people on the right seat is the key to their success yeah. And I, I really appreciate that perspective. And I, I like the idea of when you're looking for somebody to be the accountant, to be the tax professional, you find somebody that's receptive to your vision, right? I mean, first thing that comes to mind with what you said is find somebody that's nimble and willing to adjust to your vision. Like any person in your role who's trying to provide a one size fits it's all service who's trying to who, who sees every client as the same and is going to treat them the same and is going to assume that they all want the same things that's not who you want you want somebody who's yeah. going to listen to you as an artist about what you're trying to accomplish are you trying to do things domestically or globally what kinds of areas of media are you trying to get into what does your five-year plan look like and so trying to find somebody that's not only qualified to do this and is experienced in the field that's obviously important but from what i'm hearing from you what's equally important is somebody that is willing to tailor their services to your specific vision as a creator and that sounds like that's something that's really critical to what you do at your company yeah absolutely i do take pride and we do the firm takes pride in setting up like tailored game plan according to each and every clients right for me uh, you know whatever new client comes in i develop a good well because this i am in a relationship business right so that for me is important i have actually told a lot of my friends in all different spheres hey this is my advice please run it by your button and then let me know what their feedback is and most of the time they said oh yeah you're right you know so i'm not <laughs> Because the end is to protect the clients and make sure that they're like they're straight, you know, so that definitely has helped a lot. And having a specific game plan for every single client has been a key to uh, like our success in the firm so far, you know. A big topic that we've talked a lot on the show recently about Niche has been the Corporate Transparency Act. We did a whole segment on it a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago on the program. And it's this new law that just went into effect January 1st of this year that is pretty much going to require any artist who has an LLC or a corporation to do some immediate compliance obligations with the government that they either have to do within the next 90 days or perhaps by the end of the year. Really important thing that artists need to get their lawyers and their accountants involved with. Can you tell us a little bit about what artists need to do right now because of this law? Yes, absolutely. The key thing is to reach out to their accountants and attorneys ASAP. Uh, just a nutshell, I'm sure that you may have covered this. So I apologize if this is getting rep repetitive, but it is actually very important. So any company, LLC or corporation that was formed before February 1st, 2024, they have up until 25, 2025 next year to be in compliance with this particular act, which is Corporate Transparency Act. By the way, this does not go to the IRS. It goes to FinCEN, Financial Crimes and Reporting Agency, which is headquartered in Chicago. 
separate body than the IRS. It's basically they're ensuring that you're not anybody's involved in money laundering. That's pretty much it. And any company that is incorporated or established, this they have until 90 days to compliant. It's a comprehensive form, which my opinion, please don't try to do it. The, please don't try to do it yourself. Hire help, you know, because the penalties are up to $10,000 or like a few years in jail. I don't know the exact number. So please, please, please hire help, you know, hire, talk to your attorneys, talk to your accountants, and they'll be able to help you get compliant. Very important. Uh, yeah, it's, it's extremely important. So that is a priority, which we're doing for our clients as well. And I'm sure Ryan, you are doing it for artists as well. Yeah. It's a, it's keeping, uh, folks in my line of work and your line of work quite busy. Uh, just to you know, further reiterate what Nisha is talking about here. This is a new law that just went into effect. If you have a corporation or an LLC, you are likely subject to this requirement. You need to, uh, go to FinCEN, the, uh, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Uh, it's a body of the U.S. government. And you have to report your ownership information of your business entity to this organization. It's not a long filing process. You can get it done uh, in, you know, probably in less than an hour, considerably less than an hour. But as Nishay noted, it's a very important filing. And so you would likely be well served by having a tax or a legal professional handle the filing for you just to make sure you get it right. If you created this entity before January 1st, you have until the end of the year to file, as Nishe noted. If you create an entity this year, you have 90 days to do this filing. It's not a difficult filing, but it's an important filing. So make sure that you do it and get the help that you need, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Our guest has been uh, Nishay uh, Rawl. He is the uh, principal over at nrtaxandconsulting.com. Uh, be sure to check, or, or I should say, NR Tax and Consulting. You can find out more about his organization by going to nrtaxandconsulting.com. Really appreciate your perspective, Nishay. Really appreciate your advice. Before we let you go, we want to get one more piece of advice from you if we can. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks, Ryan. So getting a couple of things, I just want to recap over, you know, getting right help, you know, having the right team is the key, right? Having right managers, right attorneys, right accountants, and setting up a great, I call it roots, you know, of the tree, you know, it's yeah. very important in terms of the artists to help develop their careers. And we all are here to serve you, that's where our like profession teaches us to be you know, to be able to serve you guys better and to actualize your vision, right? So the main key would be to get right team and get get your books in order for you to be able to make better business decisions. So those are the two things that I would like to you know mention it to all the artists out there. You nailed it. Thank you so much for everything that you do for artists. And thank you very much for your perspective this week. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. Thank you. That was Nishe Rawl, everybody. Again, you can find out more about his work by going to nrtaxandconsulting.com. This stuff is so, so important. I am really heartened, Zach, by the amount of artists that are coming to me now that are starting to realize how important it is to start having people around you that help you manage the financial success once you have it so that you don't end up like one of these cautionary tales of one of these artists who sells a lot of records or starts packing them in at stadiums but still ends up broke. But even if you're not one of those superstar artists, even if you're just up and coming, just starting to build your business, getting the right financial representation around you can make the difference between making a nice living and struggling throughout your career. And so I'm grateful for Nishay's perspective there. I do want to apologize for the internet issues that we've been going through here. Um, we're, we're really kind of playing hurt this week, Zach, between your sickness. I know producer Lauren's got internet issues where she is. We had internet issues during the interview, but we're just, we're grateful that everybody's been hanging in there. Cause that was some great stuff in that interview. Although I, I <clears throat> felt a little personally attacked when he said artists don't like to deal with the financial side as much. And I was like, yeah, that's true. 
He's got you pegged. He he's got me, and that's why old timey talent agent says, "Kid, <laughs> give me twenty five percent, and I'll make sure you get your ten percent." <laughs> oh man! Between that and the OJ reference, uh, uh, old timey talent agent's not sitting right with me, man. Should I have gone with? Will Smith, he's got a future ahead of him. Is that what I should have done? Yeah, uh, that might have worked. <laughs> um, it's it's really great having you here, Zach. Our thanks to co-host Zach Sloan, our guest Nishe Rao, our thanks to producer Lauren, our thanks to Volume.com, who's going to be joining us pretty soon. And thanks to all of the viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. Mwah! We love you. We'll see you next week.